Today's scripture reading comes out of Philemon. It's the first 12 chapters um, of the first 12 verses of the first chapter. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed our hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. This is the word of the Lord for us. None of us will walk through life without the sting of broken relationships. Something we will all experience. The reason that we will have broken relationships is because we are broken people. (laughs) But because we all have an issue of sin. So you're not going to get through life. Most of us have already found this to be true. But you're not going to get through life without the sting of a broken relationship. But even though we start on that very sour note this morning as we come to God's word, we have hope. We have hope. Why? Because we serve a God who is able to fix things that have been broken. He is able to fix the brokenness in us, and therefore he's able to fix the broken relationships that each of us experience. And that is what we're going to talk about this morning. So let me introduce myself. I'm John, privileged and honored to serve as pastor here at MCA. I'm just thrilled that you're with us today. Uh, What a joy it is for us to gather, uh, to fellowship with one another, to sing God's praises, to study his word. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow even stronger in the Lord. So we are excited because we're starting a brand new sermon series this morning called Clean Break, looking at some of the relationships in the little New Testament book of Philemon. That's where Renee read for us about half of the chapter. It's one of the smallest books in the Bible. It's a tiny little New Testament book. It's fascinating. And through this little uh, letter that we see, the book of Philemon, we learn how to navigate broken relationships. And we are going to be encouraged. This is a two, two-part series, by the way. Um, but we are encouraged to choose forgiveness, to extend the grace of God. So I think the plan is this morning, I'd like to give really an overview of the book of Philemon, talking about the, uh, the fact that we all need to be restored to God and can be restored by God, and, and therefore our relationships can be restored. And then next week, we'll go really deep into the topical uh, point of choosing forgiveness and the great call to do that and how that plays out in the life of the church. So if you've got your Bibles with you, 
please turn to the book of Philemon. <laughs> uh, it can be hard to find, I know. It's tucked in between Titus and Hebrews. And again, as we, as we see this fascinating story unfold in this little New Testament letter, we see good news that broken relationships can be restored. So Philemon, it is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, written to a man named Philemon. He lived in Colossae. He was a leader of the church there. Paul writes this letter while he is in prison, or uh, maybe a better way of putting it is under house arrest, but he he was in Rome and he was in chains. This is one of the letters he wrote while he was imprisoned. Paul doesn't know his fate, you know, as, as we look at his, his life and ministry, he doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. He knows he's stuck in Rome, that he's in chains because of the gospel, only because of the gospel, but it doesn't keep him from pressing on in ministry. Like he just perseveres with doing the Lord's work. In fact, he is able somehow to, to receive visitors, even his, in, in his imprisonment and he teaches them and he mentors them. He disciples them. He brings them to the faith. And so one of the people that came to Paul while he was in chains in Rome, heard the good news of Jesus, responded in faith, was a man named Onesimus. So those are really the three uh, main characters in this little New Testament epistle. Paul, who wrote it, Philemon, the recipient, and Onesimus, who we'll talk a lot about today. Onesimus was essentially a runaway slave who went from Colossae to Rome, met with Paul, and got saved. Now, when we use the word slave or encounter a story like this in the scriptures, it really comes against our cultural sensibilities, right? We're we're like, well, we've been anti-slavery for a long time. Our our own history here, uh, it it makes it really difficult for us to, to wade through a story like this. I won't go into too much detail on that only to say that the slavery system for first century in the Roman Empire was different than the chattel slavery of Africans in Europe and America that we think of as sort of uh, plantations in the South and slave owners. It's it's a very different system. Um, Most of the households in the Roman Empire would have had slaves as part of the household. There were millions of these slaves or, or servants. Um, they, uh, so, some scholars uh, estimate that they constituted up to half of the population. So again, it was, very, it was a very different form and system of slavery. It, it was a social class of, of people who were in servitude. When you were a slave, when you were one of, one of these people who were in this class, and, and maybe you were in that class by birth, or maybe you chose to be a part of that class. You, you had debts that needed paid, and you said, well, I'll work for you. I'll become your slave. Uh, and there were opportunities for slaves to be free uh, through working hard enough, working long enough, accumulating enough wealth to do so. Um, but the, the class then of slaves, these workers, could really include a broad range of things like teachers and even engineers and doctors, uh, accountants, cooks, people that were skilled craftsmen. Uh, but they were considered really part of the household. So uh, a slave and a master had a relationship. There is a clear delineation of authority, to be sure. Um, but the slave was essentially considered part of the household. So Onesimus is a slave 
and he works for Philemon. Philemon is a, most likely a wealthy, uh, affluent individual. Uh, the church meets in his home, which means he probably had a nice enough, big enough home that he could accommodate you know, the local church gathering there. Uh, he, he had slaves in his household, which means he probably had a certain amount of clout and ability. So, so Onesimus is the slave. Philemon is the owner. And Onesimus seems to be the sort of runaway slave. We don't know the exact particular details of what Onesimus did. A little bit of detective work as we study this passage leads us to suspect or surmise that maybe he, well, he certainly fled from the household, but maybe even uh, robbed them in the process. Maybe he took some things, packed up in the middle of the night and disappeared and fled all the way to Rome. So we have a broken relationship <laughs> because Philemon and his household have been wronged by another member of the household, this servant Onesimus. We have a broken relationship. But as I said at the top, God has a way of putting broken things back together. And so this is a beautiful story of God doing that. Onesimus encountering Paul, giving his heart to Jesus and being totally transformed is open to the idea when Paul tells him, you need to go back home. Now, I'm not sure how you would feel in that situation. Like he's, he's made it. He's out. He can, he can just become a nobody. He's, he's almost a thousand miles away from home. Paul says, you need to go back home. You need to be restored to your household. You need to be restored to Philemon. This would have certainly been a great risk. Uh, I mean, Philemon, as head of the household, as owner, essentially, uh, he could have absolute authority over his household, over his slaves. He could, he could punish them in any manner he saw fit. The research tells us that there was a wide variety there as well, that there were kind and loving and good uh, slave owners, and there were others that were cruel and mean-spirited. So Paul then writes this letter, sending it with Onesimus to go back to Philemon. He writes this letter imploring Philemon to forgive his runaway slave, sharing the good news that he's now a brother in Christ. And he says, and really verse 17 is kind of the crux of the whole chapter. I hope you have your Bible with you and have it open. Philemon, uh, and I guess you use chapter one, but there's only one chapter in this. There aren't multiple chapters, but it's verse 17 where Paul implores Philemon saying, welcome him as you would welcome me. So that's kind of the background for the story of Philemon. I want to kind of jump in and walk through the book. Again, we're kind of getting an overview of what, what is this letter and what is the story that's unfolding. That's kind, of the, that's kind of the background in the nutshell. But let's go to the very beginning of Philemon, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're doing a close read here, and we see, oh, it's, it's Paul and Timothy, and some of the epistles are that way, where it's, it's guys that have been co-laboring together. So Timothy is also part of this. And you see that it's not addressed only to Philemon. This is not just personal mail. 
Like it's, 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 a, it's a little more nuanced than someone saying this morning we're, we're opening someone's personal mail and reading it. No, it's, it's a little more nuanced than that because, yes, it's addressed to Philemon, but we see, oh, it's also addressed to Aphia. We don't know who she is. I would suspect that she is Philemon's wife. And, and two other people, Archippus, hmm. I wonder, it says he is our fellow soldier. Maybe Archippus, we don't know who he was, but could he have potentially been the pastor of that church that meets in Philemon's home? And then also we see it's addressed to the church that meets in Philemon's home. So it's not written exclusively to Philemon. It's written to other members there. Again, we're, we're speculating, but could be his wife, uh, potentially the pastor of the church, or maybe, maybe Archippus is their son. We don't know. And it's written to the church. So if Paul is writing to help settle a dispute between two Christian brothers, why, can you tell me, would he address it to an entire church? Wouldn't this be more of a private affair? Like, hey, make things right with each other. Why is he addressing it to the entire church? Because Paul knows the great importance of accountability. He wanted to increase accountability in this situation. He wanted to make sure that their community of faith was aware of this very tenuous situation. The bottom line is, if two Christians are having a dispute or a conflict, if it's not checked by the church, if there, if there aren't systems of accountability, it begins to affect the unity of that church. No, I'm not calling two of you up onto the stage this morning <laughs> and saying, these two have been fighting, church. But I wonder, what would the effect be if our disputes were made known publicly in this body of Christ? Might be a little bit of positive peer pressure. <laughs> we, we might be more apt and more ready to restore the relationship because if it's private and it's hidden and not others know about it i think it becomes all that much easier to just keep holding the grudge now those that are closest to you and your family or closest circle of friends or maybe your core group they know well he can't stand that guy or those two had a falling out but it affects the unity of the church when we don't restore relationships that have been broken. And our God is able to restore broken things. So isn't this interesting that Paul writes a letter between two men with a broken relationship and says, go ahead, and the way they would have done this would have been a, a reading within the local church. They would have read this out loud. Go ahead and share this with the fellowship, Paul says. Because I am imploring you and urging you to reconcile, to forgive, to make it right. He knew that they needed accountability. So if we continue on in the next verses, uh, what Paul does is he sort of praises Philemon for his love for others. He gives him a pat on the back. And, and, and Paul doesn't uh, pay lip service to anyone. Paul doesn't use flattery. Paul is genuine and, and authentic and heartfelt in what he says. And he says, listen, Philemon, you're a guy who loves people and you love people well. In fact, his name means the one who loves. Philemon means the one who loves. So, so Paul's reminding him of that, that you are a guy who loves people. He goes on to say, let's jump down to verse 10. We're in the book of Philemon. I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus 
who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. This is kind of the moment of big revelation in the letter. This is the moment where Philemon hears the good news. Onesimus got saved. And you just wonder there, maybe he was a guy that they'd been praying for, that they'd been pleading with, that they'd shared the gospel with, and he had always had a hard heart. And he had never received it up till that point. So this is the big revelation and the good news that Onesimus is ready for a fresh start, Philemon. Whatever he once was, he is no longer. He was an enemy of God and now he is a child of God. So he reveals this really good news. And then he uses a play on words where with, with usefulness. So the name Onesimus means useful. <laughs> and, and Paul's saying like, okay, he didn't really live up to his name before. He wasn't very useful. I, I realize he, you know, maybe, maybe he ripped you off and then fled from you. He wasn't reliable or faithful. He didn't walk with Jesus. But now he has become useful, both to me, Paul says, and to you. He, he's ready to be faithful. He's ready to be trustworthy. He's ready to be living up to his name. Why? Because he is a transformed follower of Jesus. It reminds me of the teacher who once asked the class, can anyone give me an example of some things that are useless? Useless. The class is sort of pondering. One student comes up with something, a student who doesn't typically chime in, but yeah, I think this is probably useless. He, he, he raises his hand. The teacher says, very good. Thank you. Any other examples? I've also noticed, uh, maybe you've seen these memes, uh, it's, a, it's a running uh, line of jokes that are, if you ever feel useless, just remember. <laughs> Have you guys seen those? There's one, probably, probably the, the most notorious is the one that's a picture of Olympic swimmers, I think it was at the last Olympic Games, and there is this lifeguard who is sitting next to the pool. And, and so then the, the meme is, if you ever feel useless, just remember, there are lifeguards at the Olympic pool. <laughs> There are others that are, if you feel useless, just remember, Gotham still has a police department. If you ever feel useless, just remember that The Rock has bodyguards. <laughs> if you ever feel useless, just remember that Bing's top searched word is Google. <laughs> Paul says, this guy who was useless to you, he's been totally transformed and redeemed. He's now living up to all that God has for him, that he is useful to me and to you. And so continuing on then verse 12, Paul says, so I am sending him, who's my very heart, back to you. And look at verse 13. I would have liked to keep him with me, Paul says, so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. I mean, in a way, that's kind of a dig there. Paul's like, you know, you're not here with me serving, but Onesimus is. And as much as I would like to keep him, I know that God fixes broken things. And I know there's a broken relationship here. So I'm sending him back to you, Philemon, because he needs to be restored. I, I think, as I study Philemon, I think this is probably the highest compliment that Paul could pay to Onesimus. Like, I want him here with me. He is so valuable, he is so useful. That I want him here with me, but I know he needs to come home. I, I know the right place for him 
is coming back to you to be restored. This is Paul imploring Philemon, forgive him, welcome him, restore him. He's coming back to you. And really then Paul helps Philemon to have kind of a broader perspective on the situation. Look at verse 15. Paul even sort of reflects on the situation a little bit, saying in verse 15, perhaps the reason he was separated for you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. Paul says he's very dear to me and even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. This is a heavenly perspective. Paul Paul is helping Philemon here to shift his thinking. You could be mad, Philemon, about all the ways that he wronged you. You could be mad, Philemon, that this slave who was part of your household betrayed you, ran away from you, broke relationship with you. But you have another choice, and that is to rejoice at the good news that he gave his heart and life to Jesus. And that is to open your home and your arms back to him. And say, oh, you're more than a slave. You're a brother in Christ. This is the heavenly perspective that Paul is encouraging here. And we need to have this as well. If, if Philemon was thinking about this from a worldly perspective, he's thinking, I didn't have my servant, my slave, this, this guy, and, and he was... He was a deadbeat and he ran away and maybe he stole from me. He caused all this trouble. But Paul says, think about the fact that he he was separated for a little bit. But now, because he put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to be with you, he says, forever. You think, well, he's not going to live forever. Paul's clearly talking about eternity in paradise, in heaven, with their creator. Like, side by side, because they're both children of God. This is a heavenly perspective. And we need to have this kind of perspective that that God has his hand in the situations in your life. That God is actively involved in the places, even the broken places that are hurting. That, That God is able to take that brokenness and bring restoration. Paul helps Philemon here and helps us to see a bigger picture. That this man, Onesimus, who who essentially reached rock bottom, found hope. And now it's time for him to return home. So Paul says, I'm sending him back to you. Restore him. He needs to make amends. He needs to be restored. The great Martin Luther said that we are all an Onesimus. He said, we're all an Onesimus. Why? Because we all stand in need of forgiveness. Because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all run away from our master like Onesimus did. And you think about the good news of the gospel that, that, that the Lord sent his one and only son, Jesus, to take our place on the cross. Why? So that Jesus could then bring us back to our father, our creator. That each and every one of us, we were dead in our trespasses. That because of our sin, we're destined for hell, for an eternity separated from God. But then Jesus came because he is able to fix broken things. He altered the course of events for you and I so that as we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our eternity becomes back to the heart of the Father. We're all in Onesimus. His story is your story. 
So a couple of points here in terms of teaching from the book as we've kind of given an overview. Here's the truth that we need to consider in the story of Onesimus, that all people need to be restored to God, each and every person. This is the human condition. Just like Onesimus needed to be restored in his relationship to Philemon and to his household, we need to be restored to God. We were slaves in a foreign land, far from the Father's loving hand, but he has rescued us. Can I get an amen? (laughs) He has rescued us. When, When we go back to him, just as Onesimus did, probably with great trepidation, how is he going to respond? Is he going to have me flogged? Is he going to have me executed? Is he going to send me away? We come back to the heart of the Father and see we are welcomed with his loving arms. Not because we're good, not because we're righteous, but because of the shed blood of Jesus that washes us clean. It makes us righteous in God's sight. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. The scriptures tell us in Romans 10, you will be saved. In fact, our prayer team is going to Congregate in the front here after the worship service today. I would invite you to come if you want prayer for anything you're struggling with. If you want prayer for coming back to the Lord Jesus or carrying a burden, we would be honored to pray with you. Just come and meet with us here in the front when we conclude. We'd be honored to pray with you today. All people need to be restored to God. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your age is, what your level of education, what socioeconomic class you're part of, the color of your skin. All people need to be restored to God. And God can fix us in our brokenness. From the greatest to the least. Second point for us as we're studying this great uh, little epistle of Philemon, that all people are equal in God's sight. Philemon doesn't say, well, he's just a slave. He he doesn't matter. Paul doesn't say, well, you're not really a full human. And and Onesimus certainly wouldn't have had the the rights and privileges of a Roman citizen. Not a chance. He, He wasn't eligible for any of those things. But all people are equal in God's sight. And so Paul says that here is a brother in Christ. God loved Onesimus who was a runaway slave. God loved Philemon, who was a wealthy, influential man. This this guy hosted church in his living room. And they didn't just meet on Sundays. They met every day of the week. This wasn't a once a week, I'm going to clean things up and and open my home. This was our home, our house, is to be used as a gathering place for the people of God. And so Onesimus is to be welcomed as a brother not as a slave. Paul teaches the exact same thing, by the way, in Galatians chapter 3, where he's talking about in Christ Jesus, he says, you are all children of God through faith. You are all children of God through faith, he says, Galatians 3 verse 26. And in verse 28, he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. And a list of other things. Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. All people have equal worth before God. Every child of God is a recipient of the same grace of God poured out. Onesimus, 
is now a brother. He is to be treated as such. And so I want to help us see that this is radical. I want to help us peel back the curtain just a little bit into this cultural uh, moment for the people in the first century in the Roman Empire. That, like this, this request of Paul, so Philemon, you're, you're to receive him back as a brother. I mean, this is completely different, radical from what the social norm would have been. <laughs> like like there, is a, there is a pecking order in Roman society. This runaway slave was a fugitive, He would have been subject to punishment, as we talked about a little bit ago. Uh, I mean, slaves were, depending on on what type they were, but they were largely, and depending on the season of life, considered property of the owner. So, to ask Philemon to forgive and to accept Onesimus would have gone right in the face of their social order and what they would have been accustomed to. And I just realized that each of us has been born into a particular culture, right? Our, our family of origin, our, our, our friends, the schools and neighborhoods, the, th- the things that kind of helped shape and form who we are today. And, and it's within the context of those communities that we have learned, we've caught and been taught, how do we treat others? How do we manage our money? Uh, how do we become successful How do you find a spouse? Like all of those things are these social constructs that we have learned. And so in the first century, what Paul is asking here would have been a radical deviation from what they knew to be their experience or true. That Onesimus, even though he's in the class of slaves, is to be received as your equal. He's to be received as your brother. Why? Because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus. So, yes, this is a story about forgiveness, but I think it's more about, it's about more than just that, I should say. It's about forgiveness, yes. But I see in this request from Paul, it's time to confront cultural norms. And that's a great challenge and encouragement for you and I today. When the world says, this is how you treat someone who's under your authority. When the world says, this is how you treat people who are uh, in prison. This is how you treat people who are subject to your authority. Whether that's people that work for you, children. But Jesus says, operate differently than the world. So this smacks right in the face of what the world has told us about treating others and being successful. You want to climb the corporate ladder? You've got to step on people, the world says. Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you've got to be a servant or a slave of all. The world says, if you want to get rich, if you want to be successful, you've got to cut corners. You've got to cheat. You've got to fudge the numbers. Jesus says, do the right thing and say, Come what may. He says he will bless us when we honor him with our lives. The world says, look out for yourself. Look out for number one. Jesus says, put my kingdom first. Seek first the kingdom of God. And he says, oh, and all this other stuff. It'll happen. He says, I'll provide for you. 
So the book of Philemon gives us powerful lessons about forgiveness and about how each of us are an Onesimus and about how Jesus changes everything about our lives and disrupts the social order. And I think Paul knows that, that, that if indeed Philemon is going to do this radical step and welcome Onesimus as a brother in Christ, it's going to show the world a very different way. It's going to show the world a picture of the gospel. And that's what I see in it as I study this. Like, it's a picture of each and every one of us, undeserving of grace. We, we have broken relationships. We have brokenness in our lives, but we can be restored. Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Because of the gospel and the good news. God can restore our broken relationships. Isn't that good news? It's not easy, but it's God's heart and it's God's ability. Even in the situations that are above us and beyond us and seem totally helpless. If a runaway slave in the first century in the Roman Empire who robbed his master and fled from him as a fugitive can go back home and be welcomed and received as a brother, then surely God can restore your broken relationships as well. One cool bit of history before we close. We find that there is a bishop in Ephesus. This is a big time church leader in the first century. And his name is Onesimus. Now we don't know if it's the same guy or if it just happened to be another person with the same name. But we know about this bishop in Ephesus that he was a mighty man of God. That he impacted and influenced an entire city for the gospel and for Christ. That, that he was a leader in the early church. That he faced persecution, but remained faithful. This bishop in Ephesus was a martyr. He gave his life for the gospel. That he inspired an entire generation of fledgling Christians. Doing a little Bible sleuthing, we also see in Colossians 4 and verse 9, Paul refers to an Onesimus. And he calls him our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. So it's quite possible that this gentleman went from slave to brother to bishop to martyr because of what God had done in his life. Because he was restored back to God. And so we guess that that is the heart of Philemon when his runaway slave came home. And he said, don't worry about it, brother. You were living in darkness. You made stupid, foolish, hurtful choices, but you're now walking with the risen Savior. And I welcome you. Jesus changed Paul's life. We know his story. I haven't had time to get into that, but... We know Jesus changed Paul's life. Jesus changed Philemon's life. In fact, Paul was the one who led Philemon to Christ, it seems, in verse 19. And now Jesus has transformed the life of Onesimus. Let's go back to verse 17. Paul says, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him. He doesn't really leave a whole lot of room for dispute there. Because, of course, Paul is a partner in the gospel. 
So Paul says, I feel so strongly about this. If you consider me a partner in the gospel, then you welcome this man and you welcome him just as you would welcome me. What kind of treatment do you suppose Paul got when he would arrive in Colossae? Probably pretty big fanfare. Probably the royal treatment. He says, that's what Onesimus gets. And he says in verse 18 then, if he's done you any wrong, if he owes you anything, charge it to me. (laughs) He says, I know he wronged you. I know he hurt you. I know he deserted you. But God has forgiven him and so should you. He's redeemed. He is useful. He's part of the family of God. Onesimus has been restored to God and he needs to now be restored to you. If he owes you anything, put it on my tab. (laughs) I love this. I'll settle up with you. I'll take the heat. I'll pay the fine. It's the gospel. It's what Jesus says to us. I'll pay the price for your mistake. Whatever's broken in your life. And so I want to, for us to consider this morning, what's broken in your life? Is it your relationship with Christ? Because today is the day to go back home. That because of Jesus, you're welcomed in your father's house. Maybe it's a broken friendship, relationship. Maybe it's in your marriage. Ask God to help you. Because our God is able to fix broken things. Invite Christ into that situation that he can put back together that which has been broken. We're all in Onesimus. And I want you to know this morning, in fact, I want you to hear this clearly, that you are welcomed. No matter how far you've run, no matter what you've done, you are welcomed as daughters and sons of the Most High God. That you are more than your social standing. That you are known. That you are loved. That even the very hairs on your head are numbered by Almighty God. That you are made in His image. That it's only in him that you live and move and have your being. That he knew you even before you were conceived. That he knit you together in your mother's womb. That he calls you his child. That every good and perfect gift comes from him. That he is your provider. That he knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. What good news that we who are broken can be restored to God through Christ. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the story of Onesimus. A picture of each and every one of us. A slave in a foreign land. Living in darkness, making foolish choices. And yet our Lord Jesus steps in and says, I'll pay what he owes. We know what the scriptures say, Lord, in 1 Corinthians 6, that we are not our own, but we've been bought with a price. And for that, we are grateful. So I pray, Lord, for your word to continue to penetrate into our hearts, into our minds, into our lives. That these great eternal truths of scripture wouldn't be just information, but Lord, through your Holy Spirit would be transformation. 
by your might, and for your glory. And we pray it only in Jesus' name. Amen.